You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Genesis chapter number four tonight. I want to read to you uh, the first several verses in Genesis chapter number four. And we'll begin reading in verse number one. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said... I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain uh, brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well. Now when it says, if thou doest well, this is not a work salvation. If thou doest well means if you do well by God's standard. If you do according to God's standard. And so he says, if, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? In other words, if you do it God's way, you're going to be accepted. Shall you not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, in other words... If you insist on setting your own set of standards and doing it your way, then what happens? He said, so if you, you insist on that uh, and you define what is acceptable, he said, sin lieth at the door. And under thee shall be his desire. In other words, the, the flesh desire to control you, the Satan's desire to control you, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with his brother uh, Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, Why hast thou done? What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. I want you to notice again the phrase in verse 7, Sin lieth at the door. Cain and Abel were raised the same way. They grew up in the same home. But here we have the first murder in the Bible. Now, we could say we, we know the short answer as to why this happened. But we, we know that Ephesians 6 verse 12 tells us, For he wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we, we understand we have a real enemy. The thief has come before to steal, kill, and destroy. He's after every one of us. And so when the Bible says after the murder here, before it, sin lieth at the door. I want to talk to you tonight about shutting the door. Shutting the door. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here. What an honor. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us and give us power, give us liberty. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Over the past, in July of 2015, and then two more times in 2015, we lost three young people under the age of 21. July the 15th was Hannah Robinson, and then September the 6th was a young man, 19 years old, named Zane Snyder. And Zane had a... Um, 
he had a transplant. He had a hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And he was the first one in the world to receive an artificial heart uh, to help that. He did not die from that, but from other complications. He died when he was 19 years old. And then after that, we had a young lady, 21 years old, named Kaylee Smith. She died November the 17th. And uh, although Zane's was a different situation, and um, Hannah Robinson was um, just uh, in the youth group. She grew up there. She grew up in the youth club on Wednesday night. She was there. Teen group, she was there. She was a part of it. Her parents were faithful and are still faithful to this day. And on July 15th, 2015, I got a call. I'm the chaplain for the North Carolina State Highway Patrol. And so I get a call from one of the patrolmen, one of the troopers. And he gave me a call and he said, Pastor, I think you need to come down to Patterson Avenue here. And uh, I, there's some folks that need you. And so I headed down there. I was, I was at that little, we have a little corner um, gas station, a mechanic shop. And uh, I was there with one of our members. And I said, here, you go with me. And so we rode over there. And I go up to the second floor of a motel room. And I see Hannah there lying dead, overdosed. And her parents were there. And I held Mr. Robinson. We cried and wept together. And Hannah was good in school, good grades, left-footed soccer player. She was good. And uh, as I said, had grown up in church and got away in her later teen years. Started hanging around the wrong crowd. And uh, she ended up overdosing that day on the 15th of July. And after a series, and, and again, different circumstances here, I began to ask the question, and anytime somebody backslides or gets away from the Lord as a pastor, it ought to, it ought to bother us. It ought to bother staff. It ought to bother Sunday school teachers. It ought to bother youth workers. And so I began asking myself the question, what happened? What could I have done different? What could we have done different? Why did, why did this come like this? Why did it happen like this? And for this age group, and I know it's not true here at this church, but churches all across America, 70%, once they leave high school, they don't come back to church. 35% do come back later on. But you know, and I know our percentage here is better. But if even 1% get out, fall through the cracks. If even one. And I'm afraid there's something more precious than cold air going out of our buildings. It's the lives of precious, precious young people who, for whatever reason, get out. And again, I'm speaking to the choir. But you know, after COVID, uh, there's people not even not in that age group that fall in the same category. Yeah, yeah. Because really, Satan doesn't care why you get out, just so that you get out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't care if it's COVID or if it's because um, of friends, worldly friends, carnal friends. He really doesn't care why it happens, just so it happens. 
He plans to destroy. And sometimes I think he puts more time into the plan of destruction than we do into the plan of discipleship. But his desire, his goal is for every one of us is to destroy us. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We asked the question, and I asked the question that day with a broken heart. What could I have done? And then you would think about maybe the, the folks in the, in the 20s or just in general. After COVID, you think about people that have gotten out. And again, um, you know, no matter why they get out, they're out. And I believe it's our, our job to try to help bring them back to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about losing their salvation. We're talking about getting them back where they need to be. And for some of them, they probably do need to be saved. But when you ask the question, whose, whose responsibility is it? I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So whose responsibility is it? We see people that get out. They seemingly... They, they jump over every roadblock we put in front of them as a church, as pastors, as yeah. workers. And we, we put these things in place. And it seems like they find a way to, to hop over them. Whose responsibility are they? The Hannah Robinsons of the world. Those that have gotten out that haven't come back yet. Whose responsibility? I believe according to Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. At the end of the day, every one of us will stand on our own two feet. At the end of the day, I won't answer for you. You won't answer for me. And I won't be able to make excuses as to why I didn't do what I was supposed to do because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. At the end of the day, every one of us will give an account of himself to God. For salvation, in other words, you're not going to be able to point your finger and say, no, e even the, God's handiwork cries out, there is a creator. So all of us are going to stand at the end of the day on our own two feet and answer to God ourselves. Again, we can make flimsy excuses, but when we stand eyeball to eyeball with the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not going to matter. And for those who are not saved, we'll stand at the great white throne judgment and it won't matter who didn't do what. And for those who stand at the judgment seat and, and have no rewards, won't be able to make excuses. We'll have to stand on our own. So, Pastor, whose who's responsibility? Who, who's really at fault here? Well, we can blame a lot of people. And people will try. They blame pastors. They blame youth pastors. They blame bus workers. They blame Sunday school teachers. But at the end of the day, every person shall give an account of themselves to the Lord Jesus. Now, because 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. But I want you to look in Romans 12, verse 13. Now we have a different part. So not only is there an individual responsibility, but I do believe in a collective responsibility. I believe the Bible teaches it. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block on an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just a beautiful, a beautiful chapter of how that we're, for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And on down it says one part's not as important as another part. I mean, the toe is not more important than the ear and vice versa. There's not one part more important than the other. So collectively, we have a responsibility. So whose responsibility is it when, when somebody falls through the cracks? It's ours. Amen. It's ours. Amen. And we like to point fingers and say, why, why didn't you follow? I thought we already, hey, at the end of the day, we do have a part as the body. Because when one person is missing in action, uh, we're, we're, we're all at risk. When you're missing a part, a member of the body, every part is important. There's no one part more important than the other. And so when, when we, uh, when you just think it's okay just to sit out this service or sit out this meeting or this conference or this time and you go MIA, missing in action, there's somebody watching you. There's somebody uh, looking for you in your spot. We do have a collective responsibility for the body of Christ. We collectively, now individually, yes, at the end of the day, you're going to answer to God for ourselves, but we do have a responsibility. What is the responsibility? The responsibility is what we've seen uh, in verse 7 in Genesis chapter 4. Sin lieth at the door. What is our responsibility, Pastor? Shut the door. Shut the door. It's your, your job and my job as we, as we see people. And, and we, we, uh, I'm for soul winning and we do that. And we disciple, but we need to do both. We need to shut the door. Shut the door. How do you do that? And I, I think the door is open for many reasons. Uh, for, those, for those who um, are younger, I think there's, there's many reasons, but I want to give you just three here, and then I want to go to how we can, how we can actually shut the door. So whose responsibility is it? Well, it's both. It's individual and collectively. But then also I want you to see what happens when young people leave. Why did they they leave? Number one, I think we've settled for reproductions instead of regeneration. We've settled for reproductions instead of regeneration. In other words, what somebody doesn't do, and this is not a, a poke at standards, I'm for standards. But instead of saying what somebody doesn't do, we we gauge what they don't do. If they're born again, there'll be a lot of things they don't do. But we've settled for reproductions instead instead of regeneration. Until somebody is born again of the Spirit of God, you can try to do everything you want to to make them do right. And you can call them every morning and get them out of bed. And you can call them on Sunday morning and try to get them away. And I believe in doing all that. But when somebody gets passed from death into life and they get saved by the good grace of God, there's going to be a change in their life. And I'm afraid that we've settled. As long as, as you know, they, they look like us, then we, no. If they get born again, don't settle for reproductions. We need regeneration. I had, I've raised pigs. I guess I grew up in a, an apartment, so we had concrete all around me. And some of you are familiar with that. And, uh, and so when I got out, got married and got some land, I got some pigs. And, uh, and pigs are, are funny and they do stink. And uh, I don't have pigs now today. Um, but you know, I don't care what you do to them. You can put them on concrete. 
and put a, you can put a pink bow on their tail if you want to. Dress them up real pretty. You can spray Lysol all over them. Make them smell real good. I don't know that Lysol smells that good, but sometimes it's better than the alternative, right? And you can, you can spruce them up real good, and I guarantee you if there's a drop of water anywhere on the property and you raise the fence, they're going to the mud. They're going to stick their nose down in the mud and they're going to turn on their back and do like that and just smile at you. Why? It's their nature. It's their nature. And so I think a lot of young people, the, the reason that they, they get out because they've never been regenerated. Never been born again. That's number one. Number two, we've substituted relevance for redemptive truth. We've substituted relevance. Just to beg the question, relevance is against the Bible. Here's why. To ask the question about relevance is to say that this is not. To even question, are we relevant, is to say this Bible is not relevant. I want to tell you tonight, on the authority of the Word of God, the Bible transcends culture. You don't change the Bible to adapt to culture. The Bible transcends, cuts through culture. Uh, it's time we've substituted relevance, bedtime stories, and chats for the Word of God. It is redemptive truth that makes a difference in the lives of people, not just young people, middle age people, people in the sunset years of their life, every group of people, God's word makes a difference. But we've substituted relevance. Well, you got you to be relevant. Now, well, what are you saying? This is not. I don't believe in this target audience talk. Who's the target audience? Everybody. Every creature needs a preacher. Everybody is the target. We're going to focus on this. Well, no, that's not biblical. Right. Hey, he came to all the world. You don't get to pick who gets it and who don't. And so we, we've substituted relevance for redemptive truth. You know what young people need? They need redemptive truth. You don't have to you know, tell 49 stories and add a verse on the end. Man, they like, they like truth. And may God help us not to substitute relevance. And, and, and give relevant, and we, we've got to be relevant, and we got to be, and I understand uh, to some degree, uh, you know, living in the day, but at the end of the day, this Bible is relevant Amen. to any generations. If it was not, we'd have to get another one, and there's not another one. So find me what is relevant. If this is not relevant, then you show me the body of, of doctrine that is relevant. This truth is relevant to all generations. May God help us to stay with it. And then number, number three, we've sacrificed the religious on the altar of the rational. In other words, we've uh, you know, made, made fun of being here every service and doing everything to church. But you know, it's funny. Nobody ever says, I'll just tell you, that travel ball is really uh, ball, 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 ball. That's all you talk about there, ball, ball, ball. You know, nobody says that, but they will say, Church, 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 why are y'all going there? What in the world are y'all doing over there anyway? Good gracious. Nobody in North Carolina, there's a lot of travel ball in North Carolina. Does anybody, y'all, they have that in California? Good, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. That's a blessing. <laughs> and in, in North Carolina, it's these travel, travel baseball, volleyball, and they travel every weekend. They're gone Sundays, every Sunday. So nobody says anything about that. What we've done is we've substituted 
um, this, uh, uh, we, we've sacrificed rather the religious on the altar of the rational. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I've got four boys and I don't know how girls are because I've only got four boys. And I know at some point in their life, they like a bath, but there's a point in a boy's life when he really don't like baths. Unless they're just sissies, and they, I guess, I don't know. But there's a point, you know, a, a little boy, and then all of a sudden, you know, something's changing when they stay in there and want to stay for an hour now, and they couldn't, you couldn't even hog time and get them in the bathtub before, and now all of a sudden they want to stay in there. There's a change going on. But, you know, I don't say, I don't say, you know, but just because old Luke, you know, he, he's beyond that point now, but there was a day when he, my youngest, he, you know, he didn't like baths too much. He wanted to go outside and he didn't want to. Now, you know, he's, his hair's got to be just right. And he's, I, don't have to tell him, I don't have to tell him that anymore, you know. He, he's, but you know, it's funny. We don't, we don't let him get out of taking a bath. Well, I just don't want to push him into youth activities. And we have so much going on around here. I just don't want to push him, push him, push him. We push him in the tub. You don't let him drive after nine if they don't have their after nines. We follow, may God help. We've substituted, we've sacrificed rather the religious on the altar of the rational. So what do we do? What do we do now? What do we do? Number one, be rooted. Be rooted. How can we close, how can we shut the door? Be rooted. You be solid. You be faithful to church. Don't miss. You read, you pray. You be where you're supposed to be. You be in your place. You shut the door. How many Sunday school teachers do we have? Do we have any Sunday school teachers here tonight? Would you just stand for me real quick? I'm not going to embarrass you. Would you just stand up? Do you know what we need to do? You need to shut the door. Sunday school teachers, there's people in your class. They've been out for two years. You know what you need to do? Shut the door. Sin lies at the door. Satan's ready to devour them. Sin lies at the door. The only thing standing between them and destruction may be you. Shut the door. How do you do that, Pace? Shut the door. How do you do it? Man, send them a text. Go see them. Yeah. Go eat lunch with them. I mean, if, if we knew what was about to happen and maybe what's already happened to their destruction, we know that Satan has a plan for them. And uh, I'm talking about people that are saved or out of the will of God. He can't get their soul, but he wants to destroy their life and doesn't want them to have anything left. It's up to us to shut the door. I got a list in my pocket of 40 people right now. It's right here in my pocket. 40 people, most of them in their 20s. That I need to shut. I need to help shut the door. You can be seated. Thank you. How many bus workers? Probably some of the same. Would you stand up if you're a bus worker? Any bus Amen. workers? Would you stand up. Look at that. Amen. You got a job to do. Well, they don't ever call on me to do this or that. I just kind of. Hey, we got a job. Yeah. If you're here and you're part of this body, we have a collective responsibility to shut the door. Of those names, the ones that may not be in their 20s, um, you know, they may be, may be families. If not for the sake of the, of the families that are maybe in their 40s and they're out of church. And hey, what about this for the sake of those fifth grade kids that they have? Those fourth and fifth grade kids that are not going to be back in church because mom and daddy couldn't figure it out. What happens? Somebody needs to shut the door. You need to find, and, and, and you know, the other day I, I got, you may be seated I got a name and I thought, 
I thought, where, where did the, I was following up on a name and I couldn't find an address nowhere. And I know y'all don't have that problem. But I called somebody, oh, we don't have an address on him. I said, okay, just google.com, we're going to get it. Right? Couldn't find nothing. I called somebody else. You got an address? I don't think we got that one. I was not very, very pleased. <laughs> we got this, that? No, I don't know if we got that one. And, and finally, somebody sends me a text, Pastor, I found them. So we go see them. Do you know, they, 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 and they were ready for us to be there. They were ready for us to be there. We need to shut the door. Parents, you see your kids drifting? Shut the door. Sin lies at the door. Shut the door. It's our job. It's our job. You say, well, I'm not really involved in any ministry. I didn't stand up for the buses. I didn't stand up for the Sunday school. But if you're a member of this church or you're coming faithfully to this church, you have a job uh, to protect not only young people, but those that, that are MIA, that are missing in action. And I guarantee you there's a list uh, of churches all across America that are missing people from two years ago and some not even because of two years ago. They're just, they're simply missing. God help us to, to be real. Shut the door. Be real. Be real. Number one, be rooted. Number two, be real. And when I say real, I'm not talking about some soupy carnality either. Some people say when they say be real, what they mean is reveal your carnality. No, when I say be real, I mean be real. Like you, you are who you say you are. You don't have on a fake. I mean, you're real. You're not fake. You're real. People, young people get sick of fake. They, they, they know the story. You're not going to fool them long. It's cute when they're four. It's not cute when they're 14. You're not going to fool them. Be real. Oh, to God, we need some people who are real in their faith, in their faithfulness. They, they are who they say they are. I'm saved. I'm bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Be real. Don't live two or three lives. Be real. Number three, be readable. Be readable. Set a good example. Not hot, cold, hot minute, one minute, cold the next minute. In this service, out that service, came to camp this year, not the next year. Well, I'm just kind of getting, I'm getting beyond that, Pastor. I'm getting beyond those years of, no, 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 no. If you're in the sunset years of your life, we, listen, you are the church of tomorrow. You are. You're the church of today and tomorrow. If your example flees, then your impact flees. May God help us to see it's our job, it's your job to shut the door. Be rooted, be real, be readable. Number four, be receptive. Be receptive. Amen. Love unconditionally. Pay attention. Pay attention. You know what people need when they're out? I know they need a good whooping. I understand. <laughs> What do they need? They need somebody to pay attention. Well, nobody had to baby me. Well, me either. Nobody had to tell me, well, you need to be in church. When I was 14 and got saved, nobody said, hey, you need to go to church tonight. I just went. I figured it out. Wednesday night, I went. Amen. So when and I went, I just figured I was supposed to be there. And just went. So, so you know, I, I just don't think you ought to. Well, if, if you're standing between somebody's destruction, shut the door. You'd be thankful somebody shut the door on sin in your kid's life. 
You, you'd be thankful if somebody went out of their way to send your kid a text. You'd be thankful if somebody went out of their way to reach out to your teenager that's on the edge. You'd be thankful that somebody took the time and put off their busy schedule uh, to go see somebody that's kind of miffed at this or that. Hey, shut the door. Whose job? It's our job. If somebody's hurting in the body, we're all hurting. If somebody's bleeding, we're all bleeding. Shut the door. Do your part. Be praying. There's never a time not to pray. Pray for everybody. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the leadership of this church. Pray, pray, pray. Shut the door. Sin lies at the door. Shut the door. Be receptive. You know what kids need. You know what middle-aged folk need. You know what we all need. We need to know somebody cares about us. We need to know somebody loves us. When's the last time somebody knew without a doubt that you didn't need anything? I don't mean this. Hey, you're my favorite, and can you get you got twenty you can loan me? <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean when you knew they loved you. When's the last time somebody knew you loved them? I'm not. I'm talking about somebody that may have gotten out, kind of cold. Gonna shut the door. Who's on your radar? I got forty on mine. Who's on your radar? Wow. Who, who, do you have one? Do you have two? This is not a sweetheart's list. This is not prospects for salvation. No, that's, you need to have both. I'm talking about sins lying at their door and you need to go shut it. May God help us. May God wake us up to get busy in shutting the door. I'm tired of seeing Satan destroy our homes. Our young people, middle-aged people. Think about all the kids that are out of church right now because mom and daddy didn't come back after COVID. We got in our church. Think about all the older folks in my church. I'm thinking about my church, not this church. Think about all the older folks in my church right now that the last days of their life will be spent out of church. They've been to church all their life, and the last days of their life are going to be spent home. May God help us. Somebody's got to shut the door. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.